All right, Revelation chapter 20 is where we're going to be tonight. Revelation chapter 20. They're fine, honestly, as long as parents just keep your eye, keep your eye on your, your chillings. Revelation chapter 20 tonight. Uh, we'll get into this in just a second, but uh, so just kind of going back to the, uh, the ordination. You know, there are a lot of different doctrines in the Bible uh, with certain names that people don't really understand or don't really know what they are. So I'll give you guys a quick quiz and see if you know what the... The meaning of this doctrine is, how many know what the doctrine of soteriology is? Anybody at all? The doctrine of soteriology. No. Close. What? No. No. Salvation. It's the doctrine of salvation. It includes repentance. Uh, what about the doctrine of harmartiology? Mike. I do not know. You got a lot to go over. <laughs> no. The heart. Man. <laughs> the doctrine of man. Yeah. What about, all right, we'll make it an easy one. What about ecclesiology? Mike? The church. The church comes from ecclesia there in the Greek. Did you know that one? Okay. Um, all right, this one's a really tough one. Angelology. Jocelyn? Of what? Logan? Angels! <laughs> you were overthinking it. <laughs> All right, we got another tough one for you. Christology. Mia? No. Violet? Christ, the doctrine of Christ. Um, another tough one. Some of these are really tough. Bibliology. Andrew? The Bible, the doctrine of the Bible. Man, they're doing better than you might. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, oh, I, I messed up. Harmartiology is the doctrine of sin. Um, yeah, you're right. I was wrong. Um, anthro. Yes. She was right once in her life. Once in her life. Anthropology. That's man. That's the doctrine of man. Very good. And bones. No, wrong thing. Wrong thing. All right. Revelation chapter 20 tonight, we're continuing our series. Welcome to Church Outside Inside tonight, thanks to the weather. Hopefully it cooperates in the next couple of weeks, because I actually enjoy it. I know many of you guys do as well. All right, Revelation chapter 20. So there's a lot, honestly, there's a lot to cover tonight. And it's one of those things where, like anything, as we've gone throughout this study in this book, uh, there's so much that I cannot fully cover, because we'd be here all night. We'd be here for, for weeks on end. And as we get into the millennial kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ, only 10 verses are really given to us. Now, there's other passages of scripture in the Old Testament that uh, reference and refer to uh, the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year reign of Christ. Um, so we're going we're gonna to try to walk through this tonight as best we can, as fast as we can, without trying to speed through it. But uh, try to give the, the main points of emphasis tonight. So let's go ahead and follow along in your Bibles. We're going to start in verse number one. Just going to read the 10 verses and then kind of break it down uh, through the verses tonight. So Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse number one. And I saw an angel, again, this is John talking to us. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that 
he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witnesses of Jesus. This is talking about the martyrs, those that uh, suffered at the hands during the tribulation. Um, and the, for the words of, uh, of God and and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that, uh, I just lost my place, he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. Another battle we talked about Armageddon uh, last week. The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, talking about Jerusalem. And the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured brimstone, uh, and the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with us for the next few minutes as we study your word again tonight. I pray that you'd help us in this study of Revelation to learn what we need to learn. Uh, Lord, there's so many truths in here uh, that, uh, honestly, I can't even understand. I can't even fathom myself. And again, help us understand what John's intent of this book was, that he is writing this to uh, give us instruction, to, to give us a, a basic understanding. But the, the, the main premise is the same, that, that Jesus Christ reigns supreme, that he is sovereign, that this whole book is about him. And that if we are saved, we are your children, we are on the winning side. And help us not be fearful of some of the events that are to come. Uh, Lord, we love you. Again, we thank you uh, for who you are and for what you're doing and what you've done. Christ in my prayer. Amen. All right. Again, much like is found in the book of Revelation, we don't know everything, as I just kind of alluded to. You know, ever since John has written this book several thousand years ago, there's been great dissension and division and debate within the book. And that's not what we're here for tonight. Uh, but there are certain chapters in the Bible and there are certain chapters in the book of Revelation that are more controversial than others. This is one of those very controversial chapters. Sadly, Christians often have divided unnecessarily over the issue that is found here in Revelation chapter 20. Now, the millennial kingdom is not the end. It's really the chapter before the rest of the story. And what we're focusing on is this thousand-year period that again has been referred to throughout Christian history as the millennium. And for the past 2,000 years since John has written this, Christians have debated and disagreed exactly what this is. Someone once said, and I thought this was funny, but it's true, the millennium is a thousand years of peace that Christians like to fight about. <laughs> so think about that. It's a thousand years of peace that Christians like to fight about. Now, if you're taking notes tonight, there are basically three major views, and I don't want to get too deep into this tonight. There are three major views that are held by various students of Scripture uh, when you study out the millennium. There is, uh, number one, premillennialism. You can just go ahead and pop all of them up there. Premillennialism, 
amillennialism and postmillennialism. Good luck spelling that, right? Um, if you want to know a little bit more about these, I, <laughs> it's okay. I do have a paper in the back if you want to get one on the way out. And it just describes a little bit about uh, what, these, what these events are. Uh, eschatology, it's major views of the millennium uh, in Revelation chapter 20. So let me just give you a brief understanding of this tonight. So premillennialism is basically... Uh, it starts. Postmillennialism, anybody know what that might refer to? Second coming of Christ after the millennium. And then amillennialism is there is no literal millennium. It's figurative. Let me go a little bit further in that. Uh, some characteristics of each. And again, if you want this paper I printed out, you can have that uh, for you just for your own understanding as well. That, that's fine. Uh, some characteristics in the premillennialism, can't even say these words half the time, and then I'll give you my take on this. Christ will return at the end of this age to reign for a thousand years. In the millennium, the nation Israel will experience the blessings that God promised to Abraham and David. New Testament believers are grafted in to share in the covenant blessings. The church today is not completely experiencing the fulfillment of the promise made to Israel. The millennium is an intermediate kingdom of 1,000 years in which Christ reigns before the establishment of the eternal state. In postmillennialism, the view is this, that the church is not the kingdom, but it will bring in the kingdom by the preaching of the gospel. Christ will not be on earth during this time. He will rule in the hearts of his people, but will no literal 1,000. Israel will receive the fulfillment of the promises to David and Abraham in the spiritual sense. And then, I know a lot of this is just over some of our heads, but just to give us a basic understanding. The kingdom reign of Christ in amillennialism is, uh, is the existence for the period of time between Christ's two events, basically his, his ascension, his, his first time he left, and the second time he comes. So basically, people in the amillennialist approach believe that we are in the millennial kingdom right now. So it's a kind of a spiritualized thing. Uh, the kingdom is realized in the church on earth and the saints in heaven. The promise to Israel about a land, seed, and throne are completely fulfilled now in a spiritual sense in the church that not necessarily Christ. The promise to Israel were conditional, and Israel did not meet those conditions. So Christ is ruling now, and Satan is bound between Christ's two events, um, advents. So again, there's, there's a lot of different views, but the view that I take, that I believe the Bible teaches, and every, every theologian that has an opinion on these things has references of Scripture that they can take you to. Uh, what I believe, based on my understanding of the Bible, is I believe in a premillennial view, meaning that after Jesus returns, we talked about that, I think, last week, after Jesus returns, then he will establish his millennium, millennial kingdom. And I take it based on now everything in Revelation, first and foremost, is not necessarily chronological, but at the same time, last, last three or four chapters, 19 all the way through 22, are given to us for purpose, and I don't think it was for confusion. And I think there are a lot of references even uh, where Jesus talks about, and even the Apostle Paul, uh, that talk about some things that are going to happen in uh, the future, basically. 
Because to me, I still believe that nations are being deceived. Is the gospel going forward? Yes, it is. People are being saved across the nations. But I believe there are people still being deceived by the deceiver. So he is not truly bound and have free reign at this time. So again, uh, there's more, more on that. And again, you can get so deep into the study, uh, but that's not what this is about at all. But here's, here's a couple important facts to know. In the millennium, here's what we do know. God will replace weeping with rejoicing. He will restore long life for the righteous. In the millennium, God's people will dwell in safety and God will remove the curse on nature. The fruit of the ground will no longer be cursed and the lion will lay with the lamb. God will answer all the prayers before they are even finished. And here's a few important details. I don't, I don't have this in your notes, I don't believe, but the Messiah will personally rule over the world from his spiritual capital in Jerusalem. It's talking about that uh, verse number, whatever verse it was, that uh, the heavenly city or whatever it was called or referenced to. Um, um, another thing is the Messiah will restore Israel. The Messiah will restore the earth and the curse of sin will finally be removed. All mankind will finally worship the true God. Uh, there will be worldwide peace and unparalleled joy. Uh, the Messiah will give total understanding to all. Uh, those are just some details about it quickly. So we're going to jump into more of that here as we get into it tonight. Uh, first thing I want you to look at is this. Before the kingdom, if you're taking notes, write this down. Before the kingdom, what we know is Satan is bound. Before the kingdom, Satan is bound. Look at verse number one. And I saw an angel. Remember, every time we see so many angels, I don't know how many angels there are in the book of Revelation, but there are many angels. And every time we see one, when John is referencing one, uh, they have authority, but the authority has been given to them by who? By God. All authority, and that's what we have to understand, all authority, uh, talked about that early in the first couple chapters, was given by God himself. So even this angel in and of himself has no authority. His authority has been given to him by God, and that's important to understand for all of us. So when I saw this angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, really the abyss, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So he is bound, meaning that he can't escape from that. He is, he is cast. Now, this is not, um, this is not a hell that it's referencing here. And uh, should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So the first thing we see is that this angel comes down. And really the final order of things is that we have the second coming of Christ, which we talked about in chapter 19, when he, he comes back in the battle of Armageddon, that really is not a battle, when all of a sudden Jesus comes and, and everything is destroyed and the millennium kingdom uh, is ushered in. Uh, then we have a final rebellion, which we'll look at at the end of this uh, chapter of the section tonight. But there's two things that we see uh, it's not in your notes, but there's two things that we see. As the mighty angel comes down, he's holding two things. And he's holding a great chain in his hand. Now, the key indicates authority. Again, the authority that has been given to him by God himself. John MacArthur notes that in Revelation, the abyss or the pit is always, listen, it's always a reference to a temporary place of incarceration for certain demons. 
The abyss is not their final place of punishment. The lake of fire is, it's referenced in Matthew chapter 25. The angel also has a huge chain, and this, this is indicative for a, uh, a prisoner, and it carries the idea of binding and confinement. Satan himself is bound. There are four names that are given to us in this verse. He is the dragon. That's mentioned 12 times in Revelation. He's terrifying. He's powerful. He's cruel. He's dangerous. He's vicious. Uh, He's that ancient serpent. We sang a couple songs today about the ancient of days. He is not the ancient of days. That is Jesus Christ. But he is that ancient servant or serpent, which recalls back to Genesis chapter three, when the serpent came in to deceive uh, Adam and Eve there in the garden. Uh, He is our, our ancient enemy who deceived mankind, ushering in sin. Another name for him, and there's really many more, but he is the devil, meaning the slanderer, the accuser. And many people think, you know, the devil is not a real person. He's just a made-up myth. Uh, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe he's just, you know, just encompasses all evil. Uh, but I base my beliefs on what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches. So I believe when the Bible says that it is a real person, he is a real person, he is a real person. And we have to understand that. A fourth name is that he is Satan, meaning adversary, enemy, opponent. You see, this is our arch enemy who hates us, and uh, he lives for our misery, our destruction. Osborne says, listen, he says, in the context of this list of names, might almost be official as if the legal sentence is read uh, to the condemned prisoner as he is being thrown into prison as the names are listed off, who, who this person is that is being bound for a thousand years and cast into this pit. And there's four things. Take note of this. There are four steps. I've already kind of alluded to them so far. But four steps taken to bind and confine our ancient foe. Step number one, he is bound for a thousand years. We'll go ahead and throw them all up there so we'll have time to, uh, to put them or write them down. The second step is he is thrown into the abyss. The third step, the angel then closes it. The angel can. Satan can't do anything. Because remember, even the power that he has was given to him by his creator. And then that mighty angel, that fourth step, put a seal on it. Because you couldn't break, you cannot break the seal of God. No man can. Only God himself can break it. Now, Satan's activity, even his presence on earth, is completely curtailed and brought to a halt during the entire millennium. His deceptive work among the nation is stopped for a thousand years. But this is not the final mention of him. Because he will come out again for a very short season. And that's the interesting thing as we see here. And again, when you really try to think about this, it just blows your mind. Because I I can't understand the ways of God and his sovereignty. Don't understand all of that the Bible teaches us. But again, there's so much more that we will learn uh, when we get to heaven. But let's continue on. Verse number four. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. We talked about that during the tribulation. Those that didn't receive the mark on their foreheads or in their hand, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Again, that's why I think it's a literal thing, not talking about in their hearts. But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him 
a thousand years. We get to reign with Christ. So second point is this. During the kingdom, the saints, these are Christians, will reign. During the kingdom, the saints will reign. Again, only a brief description is given to us on the millennium. Because again, not everything was even revealed to John. And the things that were revealed to him probably blew his mind to where he couldn't even fathom everything that was revealed to him. But there are 11 and Jeremiah 31 and Joel chapter 3 and Amos 9 and Micah chapter 4 that reference the millennial kingdom. John sees this throne and on the throne he sees the occupants on the throne. So the question is who are on the throne? Now Matthew 19 teaches us, now turn there quickly, just very, very quickly. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 28. Just my Bible. Matthew 19, verse number 28. This might feel like an information overload tonight, but stay with me. Matthew 19, verse number 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also, he's talking about the, the apostles, uh, ye also shall sit up on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Again, this is also a reference to, I believe, the millennium is still yet to come, because he's talking to those that he had handpicked, and he's telling them that one day you will sit on a throne, you will judge over the twelve tribes of Israel, and it's referencing the, the millennial kingdom. So those that are, uh, the, when John says back in verse number four of chapter 20, and I saw thrones and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. So the ones that are judging the earth at that time are first and foremost, the apostles, the 12 apostles. First um, Corinthians chapter six, verse three uh, speaks of believers, Christians judging over angels. Revelation chapter two says saints will have authority over nations. Uh, Revelation five teaches that the followers of the lamb will reign on the earth with Jesus Christ. And again, a lot of things that we could talk about, but there's another group. John also sees this group of martyred saints where it says in verse number four, and I saw uh, the souls of them that were beheaded, those that were killed for their witness of Jesus, the ones that still worship Jesus during the tribulation, the ones that got saved, and the ones that didn't take the mark of the beast in their hand or on their forehead, uh, didn't bow down to him, they were faithful, they will also be able to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. In verse number six, then gives us a, a beautiful summary uh, to the destiny of the followers of the Lamb. You see, it says that um, blessed and holy is he that hath... As Christians are blessed, first and foremost, we need to understand that. And you can easily see that the wicked dead have no part in this resurrection. Those that have died without Christ, that's who it's referring to back in verse 5. Those that have died without Christ have no part in this. This is only for those saints in the Old Testament, the New Testament church age, and those that live through the tribulation. That's who is going to be in this millennial kingdom that are going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ. And again, we have to understand that as Christians, we're blessed. We believers in Christ, the redeemed, are not subject to that second death because we have life, the life that Jesus breathed into us. And what we see is that not only will the Christians reign on this earth with Jesus, but will also live for all of eternity, which we'll get to in a couple chapters uh, with the Lord. And, and, and then the last thing tonight, and then I'll, I'll kind of wrap it all up. After the kingdom, so we talked about before the kingdom, talked about during the kingdom. 
and then after the kingdom. After the kingdom, sinners will be defeated. Now, I know on first glance you might think, look, I thought sinners have already been defeated. Yes and no. (laughs) Now, at the end of the millennium, Satan is released for a short season. He will yet again go out and try to deceive the nations. Now, let me read something. It's a very important note. At the beginning of the millennium, two types of persons or people are on the earth at this time. We have believers with glorified bodies, basically talking about those that have already died and gone up to heaven, believers with glorified bodies. And then we have believers with non-glorified bodies who have survived the tribulation. Non-glorified believers can and will have children. We need to understand that. So if you lived through the tribulation, did not die, they still have the opportunity to have children during the millennial kingdom. If you've already died, gone to heaven because you're a Christian, you have a glorified body, that's impossible. So these people have the opportunity, understand, the ones that are born have the opportunity then for themselves to either either accept Jesus as their Savior or reject Him. And again, you think, how would anyone in their right mind reject Jesus that is literally going to be on earth? I've asked that countless times. I don't fully have an answer. But they did it the first time too, didn't they? He was here. They didn't believe Him. You see, when the opportunity comes to rebel against the most wonderful leader the world has ever known, many will jump at the chance. But their doom, however, is sealed even before the rebellion begins. And the reality is here, listen to this, the reality is that many who follow Jesus outwardly have not experienced that heart transformation. And again, it it, it does, it blows my mind, and again, I, I don't understand all the ways of God, But it blows my mind how people could live through this, this millennial kingdom, be born. You know, we're not going to, those that are alive during that time that lived through the tribulation are not going to uh, age at at the rate that we age, you know, today. But it's going to be different. But still, how could you be born, see everything that you see, Jesus on earth, and still refuse him. You know, in some form and fashion, it's, I guess the question can be asked, how can you come to church your whole life and never get saved? Hear the stories of Jesus. Hear from Scripture who Jesus is, what God has done. In a similar fashion, that's what we need to understand. So we see in verse number 7, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. So we had the battle of Armageddon, then we have the the battle of Gog versus Magog, and uh, to gather them together to battle. The number... So that's unfathomable too. All of those that... And again, so Satan is bound for a thousand years, And even during this thousand years, he still thinks he has a chance. (laughs) And he gets out and he gathers his army that is innumerable. You can't even count. It's as many as the sand is on the seashore. All of those that 
had an opportunity to worship Jesus that maybe outwardly said, yeah, I believe, but inwardly they never, uh, you know, turned their heart uh, to Jesus Christ. So then they join up with Satan at the end of this time. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, verse number nine, and compassed the earth, or compassed the, the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city that's talking about Jerusalem. And again, here we have this, 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 another picture of this great battle, this great scene where everything is coming together and all these people and Satan, this great dragon, is coming together to, to try one last time to defeat Jesus Christ and all of those who are uh, saints with him. But look what happens. Immediately it's over. Fire came down from God out of the heavens and devoured them. So it's not much of a battle yet again. Verse number 10, we see Satan's final defeat. And the devil that deceived them, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, was then cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. An amazing picture here. You know, this, this Gog and Magog, it stands in reference to an evil man back in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 and the people groups in the land that, that he ruled over. But this phrase is symbolic of enemies of God that Satan comes out and there are so many people, thousands upon thousands upon thousands, that decide to go against Jesus. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but Satan finally receives his just reward that he's thrown into hell. And this is eternal, which means forever. You know, hell was not prepared for individuals. It was prepared for Satan and those that left with him. And that's what we have to understand. It was never prepared for man. The only way that someone will go to hell is by actively choosing the way of Satan, by choosing to deny Jesus as their Savior. And, and I've had opportunity to, to try to witness to people and share this with people, and people look at me like I'm a fool. That's fine. All I can do and all you can do when you're trying to encourage someone is give them the truth. If we've given the truth, that's all we can do. It's up to them to accept it or reject it. Any parent understands this. You, you, you help your children understand what they're supposed to do. A lot of times they don't do that, right? You're giving them the opportunity to obey, to do right, and yet sometimes they still choose not to. Same is true with sharing the gospel. We have to do what we're supposed to do. In the sense, giving people the gospel. And yes, my heart breaks every time a soul dies and more than likely they're never saved, never trusted Christ. And I, I know there are people that have come to our church or will come to our church that maybe, you know, come for a long time and, and never actively ask Jesus to save them. Never actively ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins. This God stuff, it's just a myth. It's just, you know, they're trying to scare us into this and that. Again, everything I believe is based on God's word. Everything I believe is based on God's word. Because I believe it is the word of God. I believe it is true. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's what I stake my life on. And there are so many people that choose to stake their life on chance. I don't want to do that. I'd rather stake my life on something that I believe is not by chance, but is sure. 
And again, this judgment is not symbolic. It is literal. It is eternal. There is no reprieve. There is no second chance. So we close. What, what is the purpose of the millennium? There's so much more that we could discuss tonight. Well, it's Christ's thousand-year reign upon David's throne. It's the fulfillment of his promise back to Abraham and Isaac and Israel and David. But it's more than that. It's the final proof, listen, of the incorrigible nature of man's sinful heart. Christ is present in Jerusalem, ruling the world. Saints of all the ages and resurrected bodies administer the kingdom righteously under his direction. All evil is prohibited and punished immediately if evil happens. Satan is locked away, so you cannot have any influence on mankind, and yet mankind still revolts. People living in a perfect world, a perfect utopia, so to speak, still rebel. The millennium will sum up all that God has said about the heart of man during various previous ages throughout history. And all that's left that we'll get to is the great white throne judgment. This is when God will judge all of those who rejected him as their savior and send them off to their final place. And then heaven or the new Jerusalem. Heaven is real. <laughs> it's not a myth. It's not symbolic. It's literal. And really, and I don't say this, you know, I'm not trying to say this out of context or flippantly, but honestly, heaven's going to blow our minds. Uh, yeah, I've read some books on heaven, and, and you know, it's, it's written from different perspectives, and, you know, people might have claimed to have a heaven-type experience. I, I can't refute that, or, 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 or I can't say it's, it's true, or I can't say it's false, because I'm not them. I'm not that person. But what I do know based on, on God's word is I don't believe it's just something that we're you know, all you know, sitting on clouds and playing harps <laughs> for all of eternity in diapers. It's, it's not heaven. <laughs> it's not heaven at all. But again, I can't even, we'll, we'll get to this in a couple of weeks when we get to it, but it really, it's going to blow our minds. You think about, think about the greatest facets of this earth. They still pale in comparison to what heaven will be like. Because everything that we see, we're still seeing an imperfection. You know, Amanda and I have had an opportunity to travel across our country at many times, and I think I've probably said this before, but there's amazing beauty in just America alone. There's amazing beauty all over the world, really. And, you know, I, I think I've said this before, but I remember as a, as a little kid, probably a second grade, I had an opportunity with my parents to go to, to Arizona and see the Grand Canyon. At first, it was really before I can get on the internet and see what it looked like. I thought it was a giant hole, which it is, but I literally thought it was a giant hole. I'm going to walk up and literally look down. Oh, cool, there's a hole. Wow, why are we going to this giant hole? In my mind, I could not fathom what the Grand Canyon, what made it so amazing until I got there. And then I couldn't put it into words to express how beautiful it was. I've been to Yellowstone, I've been to Yosemite, I've been to uh, some amazing places in this country. And honestly, even, even an artist, those that have been to places like that, still can't put it in perspective. How many have ever taken a picture of something and you look at it and you're like, it just doesn't do it justice, right? Because it's like, it's so much better than that. Michael's saying, that's me. That's every time he takes a picture, doesn't do it justice. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? So 
imagine how beautiful this earth is. Now, this is all after the flood, but it pales in comparison to what heaven is going to be like. It's such a wonderful, awesome place that we get to live forever and ever and ever. And again, we can't comprehend it because we still have that sinful body because of the curse of sin. Even though we are saved and have trusted Christ as our Savior, the curse of sin is on mankind. So uh, again, just, just stay tuned as, as we get to those chapters. And, and hopefully you're saved and hopefully you'll experience it uh, with many of us. But I'll close with this. After the tribulation, Christ will establish his millennial kingdom with the saints and he will finally then forever judge Satan and his followers for the rebellion. So after the tribulation, Christ will establish his millennial kingdom with the saints, all of those uh, that died in the past in the Old Testament times that trusted Jesus, that, uh, that, that believed in him, the, the New Testament, the church age, as well as those that came through the tribulation. And then finally and forever, no more second, third, fourth, fifth chance, Satan and all of his followers will be expelled into the lake of fire for the rebellion.